Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello and welcome. I am Christiane Belli, your intimacy architect, and you are listening to Unbuckled. And today we are unbuckling the world of polyamory, non-monogamy, open relationships. It's a huge umbrella. And our guest is Avita Lavita Loca Sawyers. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Yes, I am a huge fan of yours. I follow you on Instagram. You post just, I, I love how real it is. And it's, it's, it's it's so compassionate and honest at the same time. I feel like, you know, that that delicate balance of is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And I feel like you you really hit all of those places. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm forever posting your your stuff to my stories about <laughs> these like great, you know, responses when when people approach you and they're like, you know, what do you, what do you mean you have a, you know, fill in the blank uh, version of a non-monogamous relationship. So, um, yeah, I'm super stoked that we get to talk about things outside, right outside of the, the societal default. And so let me start by asking you, what was the moment when you discovered there was something outside this, the societal default of like a heterosexual monogamous marriage or relationship Um, in general? Uh, so my, um, uh, like foray into the world of non-monogamy actually came through swinging. Um, I was married to my husband at the time. We were uh, together for about nine years. And um, I had a underdeveloped sexuality at that point. Um, so um, I knew that I was queer of some kind, but wasn't really sure what that was um, and didn't really have the freedom to, to develop that for myself yeah. throughout the course of my life, uh, I joined the military when I was like 17. And um, at that time, uh, you were not allowed uh, to be um, queer of any kind uh, openly in the military. And so I didn't really have that op- the opportunities to sort of develop my sexuality there. Um, and then uh, married my husband at like 21. And so now mm-hmm. I'm in this monogamous heterosexual marriage. Um, and um, but you know, I, like I said, I still had this kind of queer identity that was just kind of sitting there, yeah. uh, sort of like, you know, ping ponging around within myself. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so we got into uh, swinging more so for me to get an opportunity to explore mm-hmm. that portion of myself and for, you know, him to just, you know, kind of honestly let loose. And he, yeah. he had a lot of sexual like hangups mm-hmm. um, and sort of tightness you know, around his sexuality. And, um, and so I was like, Hey, you need to loosen up. Like, I want to explore this, you know? And, yeah. um, and so we kind of got into it and it's funny, you know, a lot of couples, you know, someone sits down across the table from the other person and they say, Hey, like I heard about this thing. It seems interesting to me. I want to do this, but that really wasn't yeah. our story. It was just like, you know, we both sort of kind of came there at the same yeah. time and then we did one thing and then we did another thing and then we did mm-hmm. another thing. Uh, but how we got um, introduced to the current state of non-monogamy that we now practice yeah. is um, we were at a swinger party um, and a woman came in with her boyfriend um, and then her husband came in like later on in the, yeah. in the, the you know, the event. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were all just kind of hanging out and talking and kind of joking about the fact that they were there with each other. Mm-hmm. and um, and it like blew our minds um, mm-hmm. and it appealed a lot more to my husband than it did to me because I think at that time I considered myself more sexually non-monogamous than anything mm-hmm. else. So I liked having a variety of sexual partners but wasn't super right. uh, concerned about developing um, emotional relationships with other people. Um, but my husband mm-hmm. had much more of a desire to do that and so he was like, hey, there's this other thing. Let's give this a shot. Um, mm-hmm. It was very volatile because <laughs> I was just not ready. Um, and then maybe a few months later, about six months later, mm-hmm. we revisited it mm-hmm. uh, because I had wanted the opportunity to develop romantic relationships with women. Right. So I had had sex with women, um, but I'd never had an opportunity to have romantic relationships with women. And so then we opened it back up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we were like, OK, 
Uh, you go find somebody for you. I go find somebody for me because he and I have entirely different tastes in women. Right. Um, but we randomly were at a swinger party, uh, met our partner uh, that we were with for about two years off and on. And then once that, you know, kind of was introduced, mm. you know, it was kind of like Pandora's box was open. And then from that right. point on, uh, we practice um, various forms of ethical non-monogamy. And so currently, what is your uh, relationship dynamic? So I am married, but my husband and I are separating. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so that has been about a year. Uh, we've been uh, non-romantic and now are just trying to figure out our co-parent relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved. So I actually live in New Jersey now, where I was originally in uh, California. And that's where I started. Um, I have one partner um, who also lives in California. So it's a long distance relationship. Um, and then he has a couple partners. He has a, a wife and then he has another mm-hmm. partner. Um, who are very good friends of mine. My husband also has other partners. Um, mm-hmm. I don't super interact with them because he and I aren't together anymore. And um, and then I just date, you know, so I date, I meet people, I kind of do what I want, um, obviously with care and consideration to the people that I'm involved with. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just am ethically non-monogamous, yeah. sort of consensually non-monogamous person. And so thank you for asking that, because I feel like it, it looks at a lot of ways in which, like you mentioned, you know, there's, there's this sexual sort of... Um, opening up to relationships, there's, you know, being more emotionally available to relationships. You mentioned co-parenting, you know, long distance relationships. And that's where this idea of of having this like designer relationship model, this, you know, choose your adventure, um, that it's, it's so specific to every person to even the way in which someone who you have create a relationship dynamic, like that dynamic is going to change. And, and I think that's where to, to the benefit of the growth of who we are as people and, and the ever-changing landscape of our lives um, is that, you know, forms of, of ethical non-monogamy or non-monogamy uh, really allow for that. Whereas I feel like, you know, in monogamy, it's sort of like your choices are, it's me and you against the world oftentimes, <laughs> or it, like, you know, we're split up and that's, that's the end. And it's, you know, to how to design these nuances yeah. Um, so what was like a key piece of, you know, emotional intelligence, communication skills? How did you start to hone in on what it would take to to juggle these subtleties and change in relationship? Um, you know, we're given these very narrow definitions, you know, or narrow sort of options, you know, for mm-hmm. how to be in relationship with people um, typically. Yeah. And um, non-monogamy just like completely blows open the relationship landscape. Um, um, and um, it, it is liberating. It is also highly unsettling <laughs> at times um, because, um, you know, our relationships really bring forward or bring mm-hmm. to light, um, you know, the woundings that we have mm-hmm. around connection, around love. Um, around relationship, um, and um, and especially in a model where um, the things that we normally look to as uh, security mm-hmm. um, blankets or things that we can hold on to and say this is what mm-hmm. makes this relationship secure, and you sort of take all of those things out. Right. So the fact that you're exclusive to one another, mm-hmm. the fact that you live together, yeah. the fact that you have enmeshed finances, or you get married, or mm-hmm. you have children together, all of these things that we say, okay, this is what makes a relationship solid and secure. Mm-hmm. A lot of those things are removed. Um, And even when you have those things with a person, they look differently, right? It it changes now that you're interacting with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, and so I found for myself personally that I was having these really, really, really volatile emotional responses to um, feeling that that unsettledness and feeling Mm -hmm. that that lack of security and feeling almost like that that relationship sort of free fall, you know? Mm where you don't have these things that you would normal, normally reach out right. for to grab on hold to, you know, um, to f- make the relationship feel solid. Um, and, um, you know, I was, I wanted to live this way because it was very much a part of, you know, how I wanted to live. So it wasn't like this thing. Cause I think that's a, a lot of thing that people think is, Oh, your husband talked you into it yeah. and you're being yeah. tricked and yeah. deceived. And, yeah. and I'm like, no, I wanted to do this. Like, you know, yeah. I wanted my freedom. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. this is definitely a thing that I was super into. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I was having these really, really caustic and volatile reactions to it, um, that weren't 
in alignment with like who I wanted to be as a person and weren't in alignment with like what I logically believed, you know? So it was like, logically, I can look at this person and go, you know, I don't really feel like this person having a connection to someone means that there's something wrong with their Mm -hmm. connection to me or that them being attracted to someone means that they can't be attracted to me. I'm attracted to other people. I'm connecting to other people and I still feel all the feelings that I feel for this person. Mm -hmm. So like the logic was there, but the emotions were like way, 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 way. Like Mm -hmm. they were just completely just not, congruent in any way, shape or form at all. Um, and, um, and I didn't know how to self-regulate in, in the face of such visceral and, and strong emotions. And so I had a lot of really, really, I did a lot of really just jacked up stuff, you know, if I can be completely honest, um, things that, like I said, weren't in alignment with my personal right. integrity. Um, and, uh, but they caused me to have to kind of take a look at those things and go, yeah. Uh, you got to fix that. You got to work on that. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if, you know, polyamory brought that up for you, you know, why would you continue to do it? I mean, obviously that means that there's something wrong with polyamory. You don't need to do it. Uh, Whereas I look at it as like, there's no situation that I want to experience in life that causes me to behave that way. And so polyamory just showed it to me and provided or created the environment or the arena, you know, Mm -hmm. where I could do that work. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the unpacking of like my abandonment stuff and the, just like layers of trauma and things that I, I don't know would have come up another way because it, it does require, it's like, you can only do so much self-work. We do need mirrors, you know, and, and, and it is like a very select chosen few that I think can show up and, and in a healthy way, hold space and, and help you see your, your blind spots. Um, And so, yeah, so I think to some degree, you know, being in relationship, they create these catalysts for you to then do the inner work. And when I have multiple people coming in, um, it just changes the landscape because there is a certain point where like you and one person, you'll, you'll kind of get into this autopilot tennis match where you just like, you think you see each other and you play this thing, but you know, then you introduce a different dynamic and it doesn't have to be romantic or sexual. And that's the thing is just, you know, it's the level of intimacy, I think, um, that you can have with the connections that you have, if you're willing, yeah, to, to go into these uncomfortable places of vulnerability. Yeah. A lot of our relationships are conducted in these very kind of autopilot ways. Um, and so they don't, um, uh, foster an environment of like presence, you know, and consciousness. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we get into this relationship and we're like, okay, I'm doing a thing with the person. Um, and what this relationship means for me is exactly what it means for them. And, you know, and we don't, we don't often, uh, like really consciously go into our relationships with people. Uh, but in non-monogamy, you sort of kind of have to, and I'm not saying that that's not possible in monogamy. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of what gets, uh, uh, put out there, um, in the non-monogamous community is like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, you know, we're so much more evolved or, you know, we're doing things so much more consciously, um, than monogamous people. And I'm like, no, like it's totally, uh, you know, capable for monogamous people to be operating in those ways. However, um, uh, like, I feel like it's just not something that's as online for them because there's so many people around you that are doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is such a, uh, a like, you know, structure in our society that it yeah. doesn't often encourage a lot of, of more applied thought to how you move through it, mm-hmm. unless that's just something that, that, yeah. that you bring online as a right. person, because that's kind of the way you are, or you see that you're like, Hey, like, you know, the way this, because uh, I do feel that there are monogamous people that very much know that they're monogamous, mm-hmm. but also uh, feel like, you know, the way we conduct monogamy as a society really mm-hmm. doesn't work for me, yeah. you know? And I feel like for those people, they're a little bit more uh, uh, circumspect, you know, and like mm-hmm. how they move through it because it, it, it already kind of doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, but for uh, non-monogamous people, you know, the way we do relationships um, as a whole or generally definitely doesn't fit. Um, and so because of that, we have to kind of think a lot more about what we right. want from relationships because, uh, you know, the picture that's available to us just isn't there. Yeah, it's a, it's a limited. And so walk me through, you know, do you have some for people who are like, okay, you know, I, th- this is a new concept to me, but, you know, I feel like there's something here. Did you start with 
navigating like contracts and relationships? Did you start by just, you know, really identifying like what are your wants out of a relationship, like emotionally, sexually? How do you recommend somebody begin to see if if this is the thing, you know, if, if trying to design their own relationship is, you know, in an ethically non-monogamous way. And, and that's an interesting thing. I think it was you that posted that, like, what is this idea? Why do we call it ethical? Like as it if, was someone else um, was it that ethical? actually posted it. Yeah. That that's something that is being come being around. I personally don't mind the term ethical right. non-monogamy personally or consensual non-monogamy simply because um, there are people that are non-monogamous non-ethically. So that is right. a thing. Um, and so, uh, and, you know, I feel like I, you know, I don't know why people get, you know, their panties in twist about that. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, so, um, it works for me, but I also do believe that people get to label themselves how they wish you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, but, um, it's funny that you actually asked that question. Cause I feel like I'm in that process now, <laughs> the one that you're actually talking about in a way that I just never was before, because I mm-hmm. entered into non-monogamy with my husband at the time and our entrance into uh, like polyamorous relationships specifically was actually not super conscious either. You know, we just met someone and was like, oh, I really like this person. You really like us, let's just do this thing. Um, And so there wasn't a lot of negotiation which is probably why it ran into a lot of the problems that it did is because we kind of just kind of fell into it and just sort of was like, we'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. Um, which we didn't. And, um, and so, uh, so I feel like now, uh, with mm-hmm. my marriage ending and me having this like 17 year long relationship end, mm-hmm. um, that now I'm in the process of going, Oh, like, you know, uh, what do I want from relationships? Mm-hmm. What do I need from relationships? Mm-hmm. What do I want to say about how I feel in my relationships yeah. and who I am in my relationships? Like that's the process that I'm actually going through right now, you know, um, in a way that that I never did uh, before, because before it was just like, okay, like, you know, I met people, you know, Mm -hmm. we dated, you know, or, you know, we we established that we liked each other and then we sort of kind of figured it out. Whereas like now for me, um, I'm going, okay, be like, you actually have to put some applied thought to like what you actually Mm -hmm. want, you know, so that you don't keep repeating those same cycles. Um, One of the things that I tell people to do is if you can possibly, because I think sometimes when we think about relationships or think about what we want and need out of relationships, we generally do that with a person already in mind. So Mm -hmm. either the person that we are with, a person that we want to be with, a person that we used to be with, you know, we kind of do that with a person already in mind. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of craft that picture around that person or around that. We use that person as like a template. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we dial some things up, you know, we dial some things down, you know, we add some things, we subtract some things. Um, And so usually what I try to tell people to do is if you can, if you could just sit down in front of a piece of paper and Mm -hmm. just blank canvas, don't think Mm -hmm. about any one person that you've ever been with that you want to be with, like literally just go, Mm -hmm. if I could literally pull a partner out of the sky, you know, Um, what would I say about that person? You know, Mm. um, you know, what would I say? Uh, how would I say that they treated me? How would I say Mm. that they spoke to me? How did I say that they handled conflict with me? Um, you know, those kinds of things. And, um, and then starting to designate, okay, what are my needs? What are absolutely non-negotiable, no matter what Mm -hmm. kind of relationship I'm in, if it's a friends with benefits, if it's a comet, if it's a long distance relationship, if it's a local partner, if it's a life partner, if it's a queer platonic partnership, you know, what are things that are absolutely non-negotiable for me? And then what are things that it's like, eh, this would be nice, you know, and I would be really happy if this person had it, but I'm okay if they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is going to change, honestly. Right, um, and right. it, it, it's important that you do that with every person that you're engaging, because what mm-hmm. I need from a nesting partner is not going to be mm-hmm. what I need from someone who mm-hmm. I'm not living with. Um, and what I need from a long distance relationship is not going to be mm-hmm. uh, necessarily what I need from someone who I'm local with, you know? So, um, and so yeah. it's important to, uh, to really be willing to, mm-hmm. to take a real look at um, what we want and need um, out of relationships and also give yourself the space to have that. I think needy has become such a bad term um, yeah. about relationships. Having any needs at right. all, you know, right. from a person is such a bad term. Um, and I'm like, it is human to need. It is human mm-hmm. to have need from one another. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, the only person whom you can determine whether or not your needs are reasonable or, or unreasonable is you, yeah. you know, I think sometimes we, we go, well, is this unreasonable or is this too much? Or what if somebody doesn't want to give this to me? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, if you've identified that you need it, you need it, you know, 
um, and allow yourself the space to to have your genuine needs um, and to uh, to honor yourself um, by holding mm. firm to those things um, and being in relationships that meet those needs. Absolutely. I think, you know, because codependency has become this this thing on everyone's radar that I think people are like hyper vigilant of. And in that kind of needs got thrown under the bus of like, Oh, if I, you know, if I need something, that means I'm codependent and I really need to like self-soothe and I need to, uh, you know, instead of, yeah, that, that we are a, a, a species that genuinely we are pack creatures. Like we do well as a, a community, you know, interacting and exchanging in these, these ways. So I always say that Mm -hmm. the human condition is the inability to strike things down the middle. You know, Mm -hmm. we're always way too far to one side or way too far to the other side. So in that process of going, okay, you know, codependence is is not healthy. And even that is something that I have a tendency to have a much different viewpoint of, because while Mm -hmm. I, I try not to be codependent myself personally, um, if you get two people and that's what they want out of relationship right. with each other and they're both in agreement that that's what works for them, then mm-hmm. who am I to say that these adults can't right. live this relationship how they want to live that relationship? Yeah. It doesn't work for me, you know, and it definitely shows up in a lot of unhealthy ways, uh, I feel, uh, uh, generally. Um, but I am not a person that could to say to a person, you know, you should not yeah. be, co- no one should be codependent. That works yeah. for no one. Like, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm more concerned about what works for me. Um, and mm-hmm. so I feel like, and like you said, in that drive to kind of go, okay, mm-hmm. we're, we're showing up to the relationship these really codependent ways that aren't healthy. We m- can sometimes move the needle too far to where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we got to figure out how to not be able to live with one another at all or need one another mm-hmm. at all. And, um, instead of like striking that balance is how do we live in community and in relationship to mm-hmm. each other and show up to, to providing the needs for each other in a healthy format that allows us to honor each other and also honor mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, while not being so dependent on one another that we literally feel like we can't live without Mm -hmm. the other person. And so independent of the other person that we have no, we feel no safety in, in, in having a need um, and, and wanting someone else to provide that. That's no, that's no better. Right. Yeah. No, the ability to receive is huge. It is a Mm -hmm. vital part of the exchange of, of all energy, right? Right. And there's a blessing in giving, you know, so there's a blessing in giving too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we are getting ready for a break. So I want to give everyone a chance to connect with you online and you can find Avita Lavita Sawyers on Instagram. It is L-A-V-I-T-A-L-O-C-A 34 on Instagram and on Facebook, it's L-A-V-I-T-A-L-O-C-A-S-A W-Y-E-R-S. So it's Lavita Loca Sawyers on Facebook and Lavita Loca 34 on Instagram. And this has been so great. I mean, you know, I am also um, ethically non-monogamous. This is something that I came to through a backdoor of cheating on partners all the time, you know, so um, it's something I, I love giving people the opportunity to just learn and discover more of like, oh, hey, wait, that resonates with me. Like maybe this is uh, where, I, you know, something worth exploring. Uh, so thank you for helping us unbuckle non-monogamy and we will be right back. You are listening to Unbuckled with Christiane Bella. That's me. I'm your intimacy architect. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you tired of having the same fight over and over again? Is it hard to remember a time when you felt close to each other? Before you call it quits, do you want to do something to rebuild that spark of intimacy? Of course you do. Ignite the passion like never before with Intimacy Architecture. Text 626-310-5159 to set up your relationship consultation. Again, text 626-310-5159. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You. 
You are listening to Unbuckled with Christy Ann Bella. Reach out to Christy Ann with any questions or comments at intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. That's intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christy Ann welcomes your emails. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back. I am Christiane Bella and you are listening to Unbuckled and we are unbuckling today non-monogamy, polyamory, the world of alternative relationship styles and dynamics. And my guest is Avita Lavita Loca-Sawyers, who is a coach on non-monogamy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So we, right before the break, we're talking about um just really getting into how, how you, you start to show up to, to receive having your needs met, be able to identify those needs, um, you know, and and that, that dance that comes with creating a healthy non-monogamous relationship. Let's dive into, because I think it's kind of a common misconception that if you are um, non-monogamous, that like people don't break up, that somehow that, that like, creates this this parentheses in which because you can date other people you would just never not date someone (laughs) and um and relationships do change and end and transform and you're actually in a a big transition right now um and i love to coach people on exit plans like that's something that i think is you know i think people so often go to coaches or therapists because they want to like save or fix the relationship. And, um, I feel like there's an underappreciated aspect of like, no, how do we healthily supporting each other dissolve this, let this transform and and shift. Um, and so, yeah, so walk me through, you know, you're, you're navigating this separation. Um, what, what are some of the tools that you've integrated in being able to honor the change in your relationship dynamic? Um, yeah, actually I I just did a podcast recently, um, called thank you divorce. And, uh, one Mm. of the things that the person asked me was, um, you know, if you're non-monogamous and you can essentially get your needs met anywhere, you know, if you want to, or with whomever you want to, then why, why the need to end a relationship when you can just go to someone else and get those other needs met, which first of all, it is a, a slippery slope treating people like need and want vending machines, you know? <laughs> so, um, and uh, doing what I call like Franken poly, you know, where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get a bunch of different relationships that give me all of these relationship needs. And I'm going to smash all these people together and like together, they're going to kind of create my perfect partner. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. so you have to be mindful to avoid um, mm. that mindset, but also, um like I said, you know, previously that there are definitely things in relationships that you want across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that does happen in non-monogamy, while I don't b- blame non-monogamy for our uh, relationship ending, I will say that what it did do was sometimes a thing that can happen in non-monogamy is you cannot really know how ill-suited a person is for you mm. until you find yourselves in other kinds of relationships right. or with other kinds of people or being exposed to different kinds of de- relationship dynamics. Mm. And then it be- can become very apparent to you in that moment mm. that like this person is really, really, really just not for me. You know what I mean? And um, I thought they were, you know, but now that I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. finding myself in these other relationships that feel so much more, um, so much more comfortable um, and feel so much more in alignment, you know, and, mm-hmm. and feel so much more authentic to who I am as a person, mm-hmm. it sort of creates this mm-hmm. sort of stark contrast where you're just yeah. like, okay, this is not comfortable. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you feel it, you can't yeah. unfeel it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so definitely in our case, we were always, uh, even from before we were non-monogamous, um, we mm-hmm. always had a hard relationship, you know? So it wasn't that either of us didn't like the other person or didn't love the other person or didn't, yeah. or, you know, appreciate the other person or value them as a quality human being. Um, I think that's actually what made it so hard right. is because all of those things were very true for us. And also, okay, right. and also uh, we were very ill-suited for one another uh, because yeah. we were polar opposites in so many mm. of those, the, the fundamental ways 
um, that either of us needed in order to feel nourished and fulfilled in our relationship. Um, And, you know, coming from the traditional model of relationships, all you need is love. You know, you can kind of figure things out. Whereas I feel like once we became kind of non-monogamous, like, no, you need a lot more than that. Because there was no doubt that we loved each other. You know, that was, you know, Mm non-negotiable. But um, but did we like each other? And I mean, we did. But, you know, uh, are we someone that we can sustain, you know, kind of being in the kind of partnership that we were Mm -hmm. in with one another long term? Um, can we do non-monogamy together? You know, that's one thing that I tell people all the time, just because you did monogamy well with the person does not mean that you're going to do non-monogamy well with the person, um, because it's a completely different relationship framework. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes how your partners show up to non-monogamy, how you show up to non-monogamy is vastly incompatible. Mm -hmm. Um, even if you did monogamy together very well, um, which was also the case, uh, for my husband and I is, you know, how we showed up to non-monogamy and how we wanted to move through it was very, very, very different, um, uh, than, than what the other person wanted. And it just, it necessitated that we kind of take a look at what, you know, our relationship. And I mean, granted he broke up with me, I probably would have still stayed together. Um, but you know, being on the other side of it, Mm -hmm. I definitely am like, yeah, that was the right idea. <laughs> like, right. No, like it was like, you know, it's almost like a, I'm, I, while it, it was painful and I didn't want it, I, there is a part of me that is, has some gratitude for, you yeah. know, him having the courage to kind of do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we would have just continued on just sort of like, like sort of hurting one another or harming yeah. one another and not intentionally, but just, I, you know, I didn't realize how much harm Mm-hmm. Uh, that relationship, how harmful that relationship was to me until I was out of it. You know, it was almost right. like um, like taking off a really tight shoe that you had just been wearing forever. Yeah. And so your foot had kind of gotten numb, you know, because you've been wearing it for such a long time. And then someone kind of like prying it off your foot. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you becoming aware of all the places where it was pressing, you know, on your foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they start to expand out and you feel that, that the pain mm-hmm. of that like resonation and that expansion. That's kind of what the end of my marriage kind of felt like for me. Oh, I totally get it. Yes. Yeah. When, when you're in it, you, you do, you just become so used to it. It's hard to gain perspective until there is this like full release. And then, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly freeing, you know, it's, it's this opportunity like you're in right now to discover with more clarity. Yeah. What are the things that, um, that are your genuine needs and how to, to show up and ask for that. And, and, you know, the relationship models that society gives us are not by default um, going to automatically meet those. But I love what you said about the Frankenstein piece of, of not just going and like nitpicking because um, yeah, that's such an interesting, I never thought about that before. Cause I'm totally guilty of doing that. Like when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, I've so fucking done that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, it's so interesting because uh, yeah, I, I never realized, I never realized that it, it goes back to being able to to like talk about and negotiate, like, you know, have these challenging conversations with somebody Um, because it's totally fine. If like, yes, if I'm saying to you like, Oh, Hey, I just want someone who's going to cook for me. Are you cool? If you're just the person who comes over and cooks for me, if that's like the agreement we have, but yeah, if I'm going in and just being like, well, I just kind of want you for this thing. And I'm not being clear about like, that's I'm siphoning instead of, you know, we, we have an agreement to exchange something. Right. Or even just connecting to a person for one specific attribute of who they are, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, well, this person is into this, you know? And so I'm connecting to them for this one specific attribute because I don't have anyone who does this, you know? And it's like, right. they're a whole person around that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while that can be a bonus, you yeah. know, to your connecting to the person, you have to remember that, you know, you're connecting to a human, you know, mm-hmm. um, an entire human and not just a particular characteristic or attribute. Yeah. And I think that's where it gets tricky when, you know, there's a reputation of, um, I see it all the time on, <laughs> on dating apps too. They're like, no unicorn hunters. No, you know, I'm not looking to be someone's third. And um, I saw someone the other day, they straight up on like, <laughs> the opening page of their dating app was like, I'm so sick of the non-monogamous women on here. Please leave. I was like, damn, 
That's brutal. Yeah, I've seen that before too. I remember this guy was like, no poly or like no ENM. He said something like that. And it was so funny because he swiped right on me. And I was just like, uh, and so I like messaged him. I actually did. And I was like, hey, like I was like, you swiped right on me, but it clearly says that I'm polyamorous. And your page clearly says that you're like, you know, like what's going on here? And he was just like, I was just tired and I didn't read your profile. So, you know, I was just, ooh, pretty girl, you know, swipe right. Um, but yeah, but I, I've seen that that as well. <laughs> yeah. So um, can we speak to that for a moment, actually? Um, what are your thoughts and feelings? Because I think there is there is this genuine, beautiful place where, you know, triads may or may not form or people um, are cohesively in the vibe of like, let's enjoy this threesome or whatever that is. Um, and and this idea of, of unicorn hunting. Um, and for those of you who are, are new to this lingo, um, it's like a couple who's specifically looking for a, typically a hetero, uh, a male and a female couple um, looking for another bisexual female is tends to be the. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What are your your thoughts on how to navigate something like that in in a more ethically, you know, Aware yeah, way. that is the age old question. Um, that's the million dollar question in non-monogamy. Um, people have wildly uh, different viewpoints on that. And it is a very, very uh, incendiary topic <laughs> in the non-monogamous community. Um, and the actual, uh, you know, if we're going with the actual just, you know, the definition of, mm -hmm. of unicorn hunting, like you said, it's usually a uh, couple comprised of a cisgender heterosexual man and a cisgender um, uh, bisexual or pansexual uh, woman uh, seeking a cisgender uh, bisexual or pansexual single <laughs> woman right. um, to be in relationship with them, usually for a closed dynamic, sometimes for an open dynamic, but you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's like the, the, the textbook definition of it. Yeah. But uh, the actual behavior itself, okay, happens in a variety of configurations of couples. Um, and I, I think that doesn't get talked about enough. Like, you know, that, that, that behavior itself happens in a variety of configurations of couples. So mm -hmm. gay couples comprised of two men uh, look for uh, thirds. Uh, lesbian couples look for thirds. Um, yep. You know, couples of a man and a woman look for men to be thirds. You know, yep. um, it does occur. So, um, uh, and I personally am of the opinion that people, grown folks are allowed to look for whatever kind of relationship they want, Like you know what I mean? So as long as they're like telling people what's right. up and, you know, they're engaging in these things in ways that are consensual, um, uh, the people that they're interacting with, they're being upfront. I may not like it. I may highlight or identify that there are a lot of problems with it, but can I like say that they have no right to do it? No, absolutely right. not. So, um, and so I feel like it does kind of fall into one of those quote unquote, like kind of ethical sort of gray areas because mm -hmm. a lot of things do occur and a lot of harm and damage does occur in the non-monogamous community because of this thing. Usually not because the actual thing itself, but because what is motivating why the people mm -hmm. are doing that in the first place, because triads in and of themselves are a completely valid relationship dynamic. Mm -hmm. I've been in two. Um, the first one was very volatile because we were dealing with some of that stuff, although we weren't unicorn hunting. Like I said, we just happened to randomly meet someone and it mm -hmm. just, you know, kind of went from there. The second triad that I was in, um, I was in the third position. Mm -hmm. Um, in that, uh, I dated, a, a man for about eight months, seven, eight months. Um, he mm -hmm. was married. Um, and then him and his, uh, him, me and his wife, excuse me, developed feelings for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we sort of closed, you know, the triangle a little yeah. bit later on. So, um, and my triad experience, at least that second one was great. I loved it. Yeah. Um, it was a wonderful relationship. Um, but I, I, I don't find that necessarily it is the desire for a triad. That's the problem. So much as why the people desire the triad, that's a problem. If they're uh, of the mindset that this is the easiest way to get into non-monogamy or, um, you know, we are not going to, if, if we're dating the same person, we're not going to feel jealous because we're with the same person. Or if it's coming from a place of we're trying to protect our our, our couplehood mm. and, and feel like we're still together. So how we do that is by dating the same person or, um, you know, we want someone to complete us 
you know, I think it's more about what is driving why a person is doing it and the ways in which they're going mm-hmm. about doing it um, than it is necessarily about the desire for it itself. Because I feel like that's actually pretty innocuous. It's more of where it's coming from, you know, mm-hmm. um, and what is what is propelling it. Um, and um, and so I think it is important to uh, if that is what you seek, you know, being honest about that. Mm-hmm. Um, not doing a lot of these uh, bait and switch things that people will do. So you'll like have someone who, uh, you know, this happens a lot. Actually, um, you'll have women. Um, I actually saw this uh, on one of my posts, you know, you'll have women on a dating app like Bumble or something like that. You know, one that's for, um, I don't know if it's Bumble or her or whatever, but um, the dating apps for women specifically, or, you know, for lesbians um, and they'll be on the app looking for a person for them their partner but kind of masquerading as if it's they're just looking right. for themselves um or you'll have you know men that do that same thing too mm-hmm. um i remember one time going out on a date with uh someone and i don't it's not that i don't date couples or that i'm completely opposed to it because i'm not um but i don't date couples where um it is like prescribed from the outset that i have to you know interact with both of them yeah um that's not something that i do so like if i happen to you know be right. you know interacting with one of them and then i see the other one and i'm like oh hey they're kind of fly you know and they're yeah. like you're kind of fly too you know then i'll be open to that but it's not like you have to be here for both of us it's from the beginning i don't do that yeah um and uh, i went on a date with someone once um and uh it was our first date and so i was like okay we're gonna hang out and then like at the last minute they were like hey do you mind if my partner comes and it felt very oh, wow yeah, it yeah. felt very bait and switchy, you know, um, to where I was just like, I am not, you know, like I'm going out. I don't even know if I like you, you know, right. so, right. so now, you, you know, you're bringing your partner along. Um, uh, so making sure that you're being upfront and honest about what it is that you're seeking. Mm-hmm. Also making sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to unpack couple privilege. So much of the stuff that I see mm-hmm. um, uh, is just it just makes no sense. So people will have um, edicts that the person that they're dating cannot contact either of them um, individually. They have to always talk to them in a group chat. You know, they have to always have sex as a trio. They have to always go on trio dates. Um, uh, You know, they have, they, you know, they have no, um, you know, they don't believe, uh, you know, that they should be able to connect individually uh, with either part of the couple or, um, you know, uh, they'll say, okay, you know, say you're dating someone. Um, I personally don't agree with this. I mean, people can say what they want. Um, but you'll be dating, you know, a couple will be dating someone and they'll have this edict. Well, you can't date anybody else, but they only come to your house on the weekends. So five days out of the week, they're by themselves, you know, Yeah. and you two are together, you know, <laughs> right, right. but they're not allowed to have anybody else, yeah. you know, um, I don't particularly agree with that. So um, mm-hmm. I think that also you need to have conversations around what happens when someone doesn't get along with the other right. person. And that the one person had, you know, one part of the couple has this great relationship with the person. Um, and the other one, they either struggle to get along or they're like oil and water. They don't get along at all. Cause that was definitely the case in the tribe that I was in with my partner. Um, my husband, uh, they had a much, 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 much more, mm-hmm. uh, just a better relationship with each other than I did with, um, mm-hmm. really with either of them, honestly, but, um, but with, uh, her, uh, definitely, um, and we had no game plan for what happens when that happens. It was just, okay, well, you know, if, if, if you can't make it work with, you know, all of us and you can't make it work with none of us. Um, and, uh, you know, that's one of those things that I'm like, uh, you know, feels really icky, but like, also if everybody agrees to it, what yeah. can I say, you know, kind of one of those kinds of yeah. things. And so it's making sure that you're really being very clear. Also, um, not, people will have all of these rules for this person before they even come into the relationship. And so that's not actually being in a partnership. That's an employee. (laughs) (laughs) That is an employee. Most people don't go to jobs that they get hired for and they negotiate the policies of the company. You know what I mean? They go, okay, you know, I'm coming to work for you. Y'all got this policy. I don't like this one. Or this is a policy that I want. It's Mm -hmm. usually like they come in, they sign a contract. These are the policies that are available. Yeah. So, and a lot of times people do that in triad relationships. They will make up on, create all these rules for the relationship mm-hmm. before the person is even there. And then yeah. they come in and go, okay, this is what you're supposed is, to do. You know, yeah. that's not a partner. That's an employee. You know, you're hiring someone. So, <laughs> um, and um, and then it's also important to identify, you know, do you want an integrated triad relationship or do you just want somebody that you have fun and you have sex with? Because yeah. there are lots of ways to go about doing that. You can do that through things like adult friend finder or, mm-hmm. you know, swinger. You know, uh, parties, um, you can hire a sex worker, 
Um, you know, so you can yeah. negotiate uh, those kinds of things, um, you know, but I, you know, I think sometimes people are, you know, they, they, they just want to have someone that they can, you know, right. share in these kinds of fun times with and something that's a little bit more casual, um, but they're not aware of that. And so they're interacting with people that want more, you know, right. um, and, um, and, uh, and then, you know, someone ends up getting hurt because they're like, mm-hmm. Hey, like, you know, I'm thinking that we're developing this relationship where it's like, no, I, I kind of just want uh, you know, someone to have casual fun with or the other way around. I think there are right. couples sometimes that do want, you know, they want a, a more integrated mm-hmm. partnership and then they're interacting with someone that's like, nah, you know, I just kind of like coming over and having sex with the both of y'all and kind of chilling and then I go home, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's important that, uh, you know, you are being uh, very authentic and honest with yourself mm-hmm. about what you want and very authentic and honest with the people that you're interacting with and then making sure that you're interacting with people that are in alignment yeah. um, with what it is that you want um, and then also, uh, you know, stop complaining about it being hard to find. I, I get so tired of couples. I mean, they just take up, you know, every polyamory space or non-monogamy space that you're in. And just this constant, you know, it is so hard. This is so hard to find someone. And I'm like, the ratio of couples that are looking for someone to the ratio mm-hmm. of people that are open to interacting with couples is very disparate. Um, it is going to take a while. Um, and so maybe try being open to different kinds of dynamics, maybe try being Mm -hmm. open to someone who isn't single, like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, expand, um, you know, your viewpoint of kind of what it is that, you know, how you feel like you have to experience this thing. Um, because there are lots and lots and lots and lots of ways that triads can form and work and be beautiful experiences. And they don't all have to look like couple finds person to, wrap themselves around and now you know here we are you know this nice three little three person little bubble um and uh and uh you know you know the outside world is now gone oh yeah no i'm i've definitely done that too where it's just like oh like we're we're we were like yeah we've completed the circle or something (laughs) um early on when it was just like oh this is uh well yeah because like you mentioned a lot of things like doing you know going into it for i think anytime you're going into something like this um thinking it's going to fill in some kind of void all it's going to do is just expose all the places in which healing and stuff need to be done so, uh, yeah, so I definitely did that a lot in the beginning was like, oh, we'll, we'll bring this person in. It'll like, you know, enhance this area that it feels like it has a deficit. And it's like, oh, well, actually there's a whole iceberg of reasons why that deficit is there. You need to address that. No amount of people you bring around are going to, to That was that. definitely my experience. And honestly, no matter what form of non-monogamy you engage mm-hmm. in, if you enter in with a partner, I often find that that is often many people's experience in non-monogamy when they entered in from a partnered space. Yeah. is it just shines this really like blindingly bright mm-hmm. light on all of these deficits. Like you said, all of these things that I think, I think there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more like room to kind of hide in yeah. monogamy. Um, not because, you know, monogamy is, is less than or whatever, but because if this person is the only person that you're interacting with, then it sort of creates this um, kind of myopic relationship view, you know, yeah. because you, you're only interacting with each other. Um, uh, whereas as you're interacting with other people, it makes things in other relationships just really, really, really hard to not see. Like I said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It makes things really hard to not see. So, um, so I find that for me, you know, when we were in the triad too, the exact same thing happened. All of a sudden it was like all these things. I was like, oh, these, I thought these things were things that we had healed or we hadn't even addressed or visited, you know, we just, they happen. And then we just move, you know, we walked past them there was no walking past them anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we have a few more minutes. I would love to talk a little bit about, because like you said, you're single now. And so I think a lot of people have this idea of they're single and dating versus being non-monogamous. Right. Um, And that, that isn't the same thing. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, so un, un, unbuckle for us, if you will, um, how you approach being single, knowing that ethically non-monogamous is, you know, to me, I explain when I explain to me, it's like, I know I'm queer. Oh, we only have four minutes. Okay, we'll, we'll get really quick. 
Um, so yeah. So tell me a little bit about the single thing. So to me, a person that is single and dating, um, generally doesn't consider themselves in partnerships with those people that they're dating. They're more just people that they're dating and they're usually single and dating until they find a person that they want to be in a committed partnership with. And then once they decide to be in a committed partnership with that person, they're going to cease to date the other people that they are dating. Whereas for me, I am single and non-monogamous. So I may be dating a variety of people. And if I decide to get into a partnership with one of those people, I am not then going to cease dating these other people that I'm dating. I may end up getting in a partnership with another person that I'm dating. And then I may date someone else and get in another partnership with that person. Or I may stop dating that person and then date a new person. You know, But there's never going to be a point where I get in a relationship with someone. And then now I can I cease dating anybody else that I'm dating. Like I, I'm not, I'm not I'm not going to get to a point of exclusivity with anybody ever, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so it it is very different and I may have committed partnerships, um, but they will never be exclusive. Yeah. And that's it. That's the gift of getting to design your own relationships and really check in with yourself and, and the people you're interacting with along the way. And I think it applies to, you know, relationships outside just romantic ones, our, our family, our friends, you know, we have this ability to start really honing in um, with some clarity of our boundaries and uh, and how we get to show up for each other. So this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here. My guest today has been Avita Lavita Loca Sawyers. She is a relationship coach, uh, polyamory, non-monogamy coach. Absolutely follow her on Instagram. Her stuff is awesome. You can find her on Instagram at Lavita Loca 34 and on Facebook at Lavita Loca Sawyers. It has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love this conversation. It was great. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. We are so grateful for all of our audience members, and you can find more on intimacyarchitect.com. You have been unbuckled. Bye. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christy and Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon. 